Hello once again, Cougar football fans. We welcome you back inside Studio B at the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah for our Week 2 edition of the Coordinator's Corner presented by JCW's The Burger Boys. Coming up today, we'll look back on BYU's fourth consecutive season opening victory, a 14-0 home win over Sam Houston, and we'll look ahead to this upcoming Saturday's home game against Southern Utah as we visit today with defensive coordinator Jay Hill and offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick. We kick off today's show with BYU's D.C. safeties coach and associate head coach Jay Hill. Good morning. Good day once again, Coach Hill. Yeah, good morning. It's awesome to be with you. Yeah. Uh, first game for you at BYU for shutout for BYU in nine years. Congratulations to you and the Cougar defense. Well, thank you. I thought the guys played great. Uh, super excited for just the outcome. It's, it's always good to get victories however they come. You take them and you get to the next one. Well, in an FBS environment in which allowing 30 points a game historically puts you around the middle of the pack, <laughs> uh, pitching a shutout is more and more rare uh, these days. How big a deal was it to you and your guys to keep that zero on the board the later the game went on Saturday night? Well, some I think that all defensive players take pride in. It was something that we wanted to do when we had the opportunity late in the game. Um, but... You know, the reality is whatever it takes to win. Um, some games it's going to be close and low scoring, and some games it might be higher scoring games. It's just you do whatever it takes to win. First shutout since, uh, well, as you see, in nine years. First shutout against an FBS team in 11 years. And the first season opening shutout in 37 years. So, again, this we're getting into rarefied air when you talk about keeping a team off the score sheet entirely. Well, like I said, there was a lot of plays that were made by the you know, the players that were out there on the field. I thought we got pressure on the quarterback. I thought the three corners played absolutely outstanding. Um, just a lot of great individual efforts and a lot that goes into that. A lot of great preparation, too. Let's backtrack to the buildup to the game. Uh, when we visited here last Monday, you had an idea of what you thought Sam Houston's OC, Brad Cornelson, was going to do. From what you thought you'd see to what you saw, how closely did they match up? Well, today, um, as I was going through the game and everything that had occurred, I was writing down plays that we had practiced that we thought they were going to do, and there must have been 20, 30 plays that our assistant coaches have done a phenomenal job of. Coach, we think they're going to do this, they're going to do this, they're going to do this, and the stuff that we practiced is the stuff that they ran. Um, I thought our players had done a phenomenal job through film study and just preparation, the way they practiced last week, of getting to know those plays, and it showed in the game. Those guys were playing at a pretty high, high, uh, you know, high quality, and I thought they were flying around pretty good. Okay. Sam Houston, uh, they were a recent FCS national champion just a couple of years ago, playing their first game, though, as an FBS member on Saturday night. As a coach who led one of the best FCS programs in the country, Weber State, your perspective is, is valuable in this instance. How equipped does Sam Houston look to be, after what you saw, to be a competitor in, say, Conference USA this season? Well, they're a good football team. James Madison made the jump last year and won nine games in their conference and really had a chance to win 11 games last year. And I don't think Sam Houston's going to be much different. If you look at the elite FCS teams, when they play FBS teams, they usually play pretty good. If you watch North Dakota State, just watch them. I think, I think they've won six of their last seven Power 5 games mm. that they've played. And so when you watch these elite level FCS teams come up, they don't necessarily struggle with their opponents because they're used to playing a high caliber of football and Sam Houston's no different they're well coached they have good players that's a good victory you got an FBS win as an FCS head coach last season at Weber State I did and we won big right we won 35-7 last year against the team who had just won the Mountain West Conference so it's trust me when these elite level FCS teams come up you gotta you gotta treat them as though they're FBS opponents like they are now um, because they've got good players and they got great coaching 
Of your 11 defensive starters on Saturday, six were making their first starts in a BYU uniform. That's a lot of novelty uh, for a new defensive staff, and it was the first time testing the operation of live game. Uh, all these things considered, you have to be thrilled how everything came together in game one. Well, there were so many guys that stepped up and just played uh, high-level football, and a lot of those guys were transfers that we brought in. A lot of them were returning veteran guys. Uh, it was nuts for me. We, we got out of the first drive, offense goes right down and punches in the touchdown, and the stadium erupts. And from then on for like the next two quarters, even making adjustments on the sideline was crazy because it was so loud. Mm. I've lost my voice completely just <laughs> trying to make those adjustments. Our, our stadium is true home field advantage. We're going to get into the game uh, here in a bit a little more deeply, but I'd be remiss if I did, didn't acknowledge the, the very human element of your game prep last week. Um, one of the coaches we have on this show and one of your colleagues on the defensive staff, he lost a, long, a nephew uh, in the days leading up to the game. That's Kelly Papinga's nephew, who's Brady Papinga's son. So many people connected to BYU felt that loss. Then on game day, uh, Mata Avatase uh, learns of the death of his father. Uh, what are you comfortable sharing about how the team absorbed these events in the context of everything else you were trying to get done last week? Well, I can only imagine what those what, what Kelly uh, went through in Ava. I mean, that's just heartbreaking to watch people that you care about go through that stuff and and it is it's it's human emotion that comes into it I think it affected the offense a little bit on game day just the fact that one of their teammates that they love and care about to lose your dad that morning I mean how hard is that and then obviously Kelly Papinga losing his nephew through early in the week a kid that was very healthy to that point um, you know our heart goes out to them and their families the Papinga family um, the Taase family, just our heart goes out to them and just pray that that everyone's okay and that they get through it the way, uh, you know, they can and the way we need to support them through it. All of our condolences of Cougar Nation do go out to the Popinga and Taase families at this time. When we come back, we'll get into the game and review how the Cougars shut down Sam Houston last Saturday. As we head to break, be sure to join Dave McCann and former Cougars Blaine Fowler and David Nixon tomorrow night for a brand new episode of After Further Review as they take a look at the Cougars blanking of the Bearcats. That's Tuesday, 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app and ESPN+. More with defensive coordinator Jay Hill is coming up after this. This is the Coordinator's Corner brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. A three-step drop and a throw for the end zone, and it's picked up in the end zone! Intercepted by Jacob Robinson! The drive is ended! Well, BYU's won a season opener for a fourth straight season. Two nights ago, it was a 14-0 shutout of Sam Houston. This weekend, BYU home to Southern Utah as uh, the Cougars look to go 2-0 for a fourth straight season for the first time in program history. Coordinator's Corner continues now with BYU defensive coordinator, safeties coach, and associate head coach Jay Hill. Okay, to the Sam Houston game. Uh, they had four first quarter possessions, all four drives starting and ending in their own territory, all four ending in punts, three three and outs, and the first two drives minus yardage possessions, just the start you needed to set the tone. And Tyler Batty was an early tone setter with that big TFL on the very opening series. Well, I thought Tyler played great, and his physicality and just and energy that he brings to the defense I thought was huge. The way we started was big, you know, jumping out to a seven-point lead right off the bat and getting the crowd involved I thought was big. Um, and there were a lot of there were a lot of positives, but I thought the start was a big one. Sam Houston didn't snap a play on the BYU side of the field until midway through the second quarter. 
Uh, they got to a fourth and seven at the BYU 37 on that drive. They ended up punting for a touchback and netted them only 17 yards. Do you think a, a fourth down play, running a play, there was a possibility on that fourth and seven? Well, yeah, for sure. We were planning on them going at that stage, but I don't mind that as a defensive coordinator because if they go and they don't get it, it's like a turnover. And it immediately flips field position in your favor. So that's one of those ones where you kind of roll on the dice if you're if you're going to go for those and you don't get it, then you you just lost all field position that you'd gained. So I don't know. That's yeah. a, that's a that's a coin toss. There. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the BYU offense scoring on the opening drive, so you're up seven nothing really early. Then then it was a tough time sustaining drives after that. The ideal is both sides have success, of course. But if and when you see the other sides maybe not getting all that they want to get done done. How much of a we've got your back mentality kind of kicks in with your guys? Well, this this is a team sport, and there's going to be games where we're going to win in, in low-scoring games, and then there's going to be games where we're going to win in high-scoring games. And one thing I know is our offense has put up a lot of yards, and we have great offensive coaches that know what the heck they're doing. we got great offensive players. Those guys are going to score a lot of points this year. And there's going to be games that go like they went this game, and then there's going to be games that go different. Uh, we don't worry about that. We just do what we have to do to win on our defensive side of the ball, and that's that's how the team should approach this. Do what you got to do to win. It's called complementary football when all three phases are playing off of each other, and they all contribute in the end. And and there was a strong special teams performance, and the offense, you know, did I, I think some good things. They'll want to do more, um, but that's what it's all about, right there, is all three phases working together. Well, one thing that was critical is. Ryan Rico had a great game punting the ball, and he flipped field position a couple times. And really, this is going to be unforeseen, but the defense should have done a better job of keeping them pinned and giving the offense some more short fields based on where we took over. And you can say, well, that's something the defense has got to get better. We do. We keep them pinned, make them punt, let them net 40 yards, and now the offense is taking over with the ball at the 45-yard line going into score, we got to give them more short fields. BYU did end up with the edge and average starting field position margin. That's a big win-loss correlation factor. So you're up 7 nothing at halftime. At the break, you've allowed 81 yards on 2.9 yards per play. What, if anything, do you want your guys to be thinking about at half as you win and up 7-zip? Well, I'm kind of superstitious, so I never look at halftime stats. <laughs> I just Other than you know you're leading. That. Yeah, I know we're leading <laughs> and I know we're playing well. But the, the whole message to the team in that situation is let's go out and continue to do what you're doing. Don't get a big head. Don't start patting yourself on the back because you got to continue to do what's got you there. And that's playing aggressive, physical football. I thought the pass defense was outstanding. And those were the things we needed to do, especially when they had to start throwing it more at the end. We talked last week on the show about how you, you like to coach from the field. Uh, different coordinators look for different things from their game day viewing perspective. What do you like most about being on the field and coaching from there? Well, I like the ability to make adjustments immediately after they come off the field. That's a big one. I can get to the linebackers, the D-line. I can get to the secondary. So that's a huge one. You get a sense for how the offensive players really look, You know, the speed, the physicality of the game. Um, and then there's just something special about being on the headset and just kind of listening to yourself, to your game plan, looking at your call sheet and just knowing what the next play is going to be. Um, I just I love that setting being there in the game. And when everything's crazy around you trying to find your quiet mm. place, it's, it's a pretty special deal. OK, you say quiet place, but you also mentioned earlier how the noise and when you're you get the best sense of it when you're down on the field in the booth, you're a little isolated, sometimes insulated from all that. But you got a real feel for how that place can be on a game night when there's 59,000 people in the stands. Well, it was nuts. And uh, I've heard it loud in there before. 
But those eruptions are crazy, and the home field advantage that our crowd gives us is crazy. The rock is unbelievable. I'm going to call them out. They're amazing. Um, just how loud that south end zone got when we scored our first touchdown and on Jacob Robinson's interception. I mean, that place absolutely erupts. And um, what, a, what an advantage it is for us. All right, speaking of that, you got your first significant adversity early in the second half when the fake punt sets up. Sam Houston, short field, BYU 20-yard line. There's a PI call, gives the Bearcats a first and goal at the five, second and goal from the six, and Jacob comes up big for you. Well, first off, I've told, I've been a special teams coordinator, and you design those plays and you look at those plays and when they're there, I think you run them. And um, so I'm, I'm a big proponent and a, a big backer of running that fake punt because when they're then there, I think we got to be aggressive. And a lot of people can question that. I don't. If it doesn't work, it's the defensive job to go get out of that drive, and that's exactly what they did. If you watch before this play, Eddie and um, Eddie and Jacob are communicating. They're telling each other what play's coming, hmm. and they watch them pass it off just perfect. It's an unbelievable catch and play. You can see the excitement from the players and the sideline. It's what an awesome play. Came into the cross perfectly, and uh, it's a big play for Jacob. Uh, wouldn't be the first big play, not the last big play he would make on the day. The next Sam Houston series, it was Jacob Robinson again. Uh, this was a wild one live. I called it an amazing one-handed pick. It got reviewed, and on replay, I thought it might have hit the ground. Video allows the play to stand. Jacob told us in postgame he's not even quite sure totally what happened. What's not in dispute is that this was an incredibly athletic play. Oh, unbelievable catch. We paused it today as we were watching as a staff, and the extension he makes, you watch it from here, the extension he makes to catch that ball and to pull that in, unbelievable catch, unbelievable focus, and he's a phenomenal player. Yeah, I mean, the, the ability to pull that in as close to the ground as he was, again, just an incredibly athletic play, and that is another pick for Jacob, uh, two on the night. After the second pick in this game, there were three more punts. Then uh, your former All-American at Weber State, Eddie Heckard, uh, records his eighth career interception and first as a cougar to preserve the shutout in the closing seconds of the fourth quarter your third pick on the night well three interceptions is huge um, coach Guilford charts those guys I think they threw at the corners 22 times in the game for like 50 yards and a very low completion percentage three interceptions I, I mentioned it before between Eddie Cam and Jacob Robinson those guys played outstanding you said you said uh, the third corner and the third corner in this case is Camden Garrett who plays a lot in your defense well he did and he had a huge stop it was a third and one with about seven minutes left in the game and he comes up and makes a TFL and he had some huge plays in pass defense as well nothing completed deep down the field on those guys I thought they just played outstanding there you go there's Cam's play yep. so on the night, the BYU defense records a sack, seven hurries, three picks, four PBUs, six total tackles for loss, and BYU's havoc rate, uh, which was low last season, was very solid in game one, around 23%, which is almost double what it was last year. Well, and the reality is we got a lot to clean up. There's some blitz lanes that we had early that we didn't hit where we should have had even more pressure and some sacks on the quarterback. There's two opportunities that we had where we really should have intercepted the ball. The quarterback threw it right where we wanted him to, and we just we just weren't exactly where we needed to be. So we have a lot to clean up on defense. I know one thing, we can get a lot better. Uh, we need to get better. 
uh, but it's a great start, and I'm really excited about how the players responded to a new defense, me, um, just everything we've asked them to do, I thought they were outstanding. And then another thing, our assistant coaches on defense, I, I've said this all along, I'm coaching with some of the best guys in the country. Mm. They did a phenomenal job of getting their guys ready to play. Uh, my, my new uh, color analyst on the radio broadcast, Hans Olsen, uh, calls it the BYU defensive dream team on the, on the defensive. He really thinks that you, that you hit a home run with all these coaches. Well, every one of them, right? Sione Puha, Kelly Popinga, Justin Enna, Gennaro Guilford's guys played outstanding, I've mentioned. But I thought every one of those guys did a phenomenal job of getting their guys ready to play. And um, the fans should be super excited about those assistant coaches because they, they care about this program, they care about having great defense out there, and I thought they did a great job having their guys ready to go. Let's look at your safety group for a second. Uh, four safeties recorded defensive stats. Uh, Malik Moore, Ethan Slade, Crew Wakely, and Raider Demuni. Tanner Wall was also involved on special teams tackles, but how'd you grade out your group uh, the safeties on the weekend? Well, and Tanner did play on defense, so we had five guys play. I thought they all played good. We need to make a little bit more impact in the game, just big plays, but uh, I thought of the group, Ethan Slade really stood out, of just knowing and understanding what we're asking of them. And then we just need to make more big plays to impact the, the overall game. You lost, as we talked about last week, two top safeties before the season even begins. Do you feel like you're going to get through this thing okay based on what you saw on Saturday? Well, we got to get better. Um, I know that, and we will. But this is going to be, uh, we're going to have to do this together, mm. that, 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 that play by committee is going to have to take place until someone exactly, you know, cements themselves as the starter. But, but I like that group. They give me everything I've asked them to give, and, and I really love their effort. I love their focus. Those guys were in every morning early last week studying film. Uh, their preparation is key to our success. Shout out again to Camden Garrett, another Weber State transfer, lots of nickel work, and was second on the team in solo tackles with four on the night, too. Well, Cam's... Cam's one of those guys, as soon as he went in the portal, he was one I knew I'd like because he's kind of steady Eddie, right? He just, he almost disappears in the game because all he does is his job. And he covers well, he tackles well, and he's that guy that is such a critical piece to our defense because he just eliminates so much of what other offenses want to get done. So Cam's the steady Eddie playing alongside the actual Eddie, in this case, Heckard. Well, like I say, those three corners are... Great players. I thought Coach Guilford did a phenomenal job of getting those guys ready to play. And you know, if, if you're going to give a group the player of the game, it's probably them because um, they they were just outstanding. All right, as we go to break, reminder that dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody, from burgers to wings, shakes to salads, JCW's quality, and a lot of it in Lehigh, American Fork, Provo, South Jordan, and now Harriman. This Saturday, BYU back in Lavelle Edwards Stadium with Southern Utah in town. Tune into the Cougar pregame live on BYU Radio at 1 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Mountain. Coming up next, a defensive player of the week from Coach Hill, and a look ahead to Saturday's game against the T-Birds. You're in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's, the Burger Boys. Coordinator's Corner on BYU-TV is brought to you by JCW's, The Burger Boys. You are in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's, The Burger Boys. BYU 1-0 on the season and on a five-game winning streak dating back to last year. After a 14-0 shutout of Sam Houston on Saturday, BYU's now won 19 consecutive games when allowing 21 points or fewer. 
Final segment now with BYU defensive coordinator, safeties coach, and associate head coach Jay Hill. Uh, lots to like, of course, in a shutout win, but uh, who did you ID and the defensive staff as a player of the week? Well, Jacob Robinson was outstanding. They threw at him nine times and had hardly any yards. He had two interceptions, tackled well, um, had some huge stops just, you know, on screens and tackling. So to me, it's a no-brainer, Jacob Robinson. Okay, uh, career interceptions of five and six on the career, including that remarkable play. And again, the corners as a group were outstanding. You said before the break, if you had to give it to a group, it's going to be those guys. Yeah, I thought they played great. Coach Guilford did a phenomenal job having those guys ready to go. I thought they recognized things quickly. Um, they made a lot of plays on the ball and just not a lot of plays down the field. We found out in the last hour that the Big 12 selected uh, Ryan Rico as co-special teams player of the week for his excellent night punting the ball. And uh, Ryan Rico is one of Coach Kelly Papinga's two special teams players of the week. Coach K-Pop went with Ryan and Marcus McKenzie as his special team standouts this week. Well, you know, the, I mentioned it before. If we can flip the field like we do with our punt team, we're going to be able to play great defense because we were playing on a bunch of short fields. Ryan Rico's as good a punter as I've seen ever, and I've coached Ray Guy Award winners, and I've coached some big-time guys. Um, Ryan's a great player. And then just remember, I said this last week on this show, Marcus McKenzie is going to be a great player in this program. And he was outstanding on special teams, making big stops on Saturday night. How did you come out of the Sam Houston game from a, a health perspective, uh, generally speaking? Well, generally speaking, I think we're pretty good. Um, I think our sports scientists have done a phenomenal job of keeping our guys healthy. That's trainers, that's strength staff, uh, and then just guys that oversee our uh, sports medicine and everything. I think those guys have done a great job of keeping our players healthy and uh, very few injuries in this game. Okay. You've got Southern Utah coming into town on Saturday. They scored 21, uh, lost by only three at Arizona State in their season opener last Thursday, so a couple of days extra for them to get ready. Well, they, they were down four points with the ball and six minutes left in the game driving to win uh, against Arizona State. So I know one thing, our players are smart enough and mature enough to not overlook teams. Uh, this team's going to come in here super physical, super disciplined. They play hard. Um, and we better be ready to go because just like we saw last week from Sam Houston, these guys are going to come into the stadium excited to play. What do you expect from SUU and uh, their coordinator Ty Hyatt's offense? Well, they, they did a good mix of, you know, packing it in and try to pound it. They spread you out and try to throw it. They do a good job with their RPOs. I think the quarterback's a veteran guy that's played a lot of college football down there. Um, we have some experience, haven't played against him when I was at Weber State. Um, the reality is we need to go out there and execute what we do, do it well, play physical like we did last week, and we'll like the outcome. And you already alluded to the fact when FCS programs get the shot against the FBS team, uh, they, they, they tend to you know, play some of their best football, well, try to. This is an exciting time for them, for their players. It's an opportunity for them to prove that they deserve to be Power 5 guys. It's an opportunity for them to you know, showcase that they're great college football players, and they have a lot of them. They have a lot of great college football players. They're going to come in here excited. Playing in front of, you know, 60,000 fans is exciting to them, um, and it should be. So we're going to get their best shot. Uh, they're well coached. Uh, I like what they do uh, scheme-wise. we got to do a better job of matching their intensity and toughness and, you know, just be disciplined with what we're doing. 
Okay, well, pleasure once again, Coach. We'll see you back here in a couple of weeks. Good luck against the T-Birds. All right, look forward to it. All right, tomorrow night, join us for BYU Football with Kalani Sitake. It's a full hour of conversation with the coach and a player guest in front of our live Studio C audience. That's Tuesday nights at 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app and ESPN+. Coming up next, our conversation with BYU Offensive Coordinator and QB Coach Aaron Roderick. This is the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back in a bit. Slovis gun with Robbins. Pulls it away from Aiden. And Keenan Slovis has his first career rushing touchdown. As the Cougs open on top, 6-0. You're in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. BYU this past Saturday improving to 7-1 in season openers under head coach Kalani Sitake. It was only Kalani's third season opener at home, and it resulted in a 14-0 shutout of Sam Houston, BYU's first season opening shutout in some 36 years. Last time was a 56-0 over Utah State way back in 1987. Welcoming in now BYU's third-year offensive coordinator and QB coach Aaron Roderick. And uh, Coach Roderick, uh, congrats on the 1-0 start, and you share in the kudos for Coach Hill and his defense with a stat that is increasingly uncommon in college football, a shutout. Yeah, it was a great job by the defense. Um, first, I think it's nine years or so since we've had a shutout. Yep. Um, and, you know, we did not play very well on offense, so it was it was timely <laughs> for them to come up big and get that shutout. And we really appreciate those guys playing the way they did. Let's talk a little bit about how you got to the Sam Houston game from a personnel perspective. First up, you didn't have some key players you were counting on uh, when camp began. Running back Hinkley Ropati, receivers Keanu Hill and Cody Epps not available for the opener, particularly at the receiver spot. Was there an impact and what was it without those guys? Yeah, of course. And when Cody and Keanu are veteran players, those guys are uh, guys we really count on. And so not having them, sure, it has an impact. Um, uh, Hinkley, we early last week we weren't sure. He, he I, I kind of, um, I, I was asked by the media about him, and I said we weren't sure yet if he was out for good or just for a while. And he had a, a surgery uh, during the week, and it, it turned out to be the worst case scenario. So he is going to be out for the season. So we're, you know, uh, feel bad for him. We're going to miss him. Um, hopefully we'll get Keanu and Cody back soon. I don't know exactly when that'll be. Okay, well, at a running back, I'm sure you feel deep enough to, to deal with Hinkley's absence. And at wide receiver, I know you like the new additions in Keelan Marion and Darius Lassiter, but without Hill and Epps, you are missing proven playmakers. And going into game one, um, were there some operation and tactical things that you felt that you were lacking because of that? Yeah, well, first, first of all, no excuses. We just didn't perform the way we were supposed to. Um, I thought, uh, you know, the, the thing that I was been the most concerned about in camp was getting into that first game, and we have a lot of good players, new players that I, I've been very good in practice, but putting it all together in a real game and performing as a unit um, was my concern, and, and uh, you know, we just didn't do that very well. We had some substitution errors, we had uh, some missed, some, some signal errors, and we had some situations where um, guys that have been good players for us in the past just went a little haywire at times, and um, First game things, you know, I, we, we've got to play better. And, and um, it starts with me. I have to do a better job, but I'm very confident that we will. We've, we've scored a lot of points in the last three years, and we'll get, it, we'll get things right. Underscoring the point you just made, uh, when you don't include the fake punt call, of the, uh, of the 11 BYU players who got offensive touches against Sam Houston, only four Run your team last season. Yeah, Isaac Rex, Chase Roberts, Parker Kingston, Mason Fakahua. Uh, clearly, it's possible to reload on offense and be very good, but there were a lot of fresh faces on the field for the first time in, in the BYU offense on Saturday night. 
There were, and you know, some of those guys have played a lot of football at other places, but we looked uh, to just to be, you know, we have to be accountable and be honest about it. We, we looked ragged at times, um, just our execution was not at the standard that we're used to here. And um, so we'll get back to basics this week and we'll get things right. And um, it's my job to get them, get them back on track, but um, I still have a lot of belief in this team. I have no doubts about it that we're gonna be a great offense this year into the game itself, and it game began pretty much perfectly uh, for BYU. A three and out on defense, then a short field touchdown on offense. Uh, BYU's now won 29 consecutive games when you score an opening possession touchdown. Yeah, and that's always a goal of ours to score on the first possession. I mean, we want to score in every possession, but we, we talk a lot about starting fast, and we put a lot of work into having a great opening series of plays, and, and uh, we executed that drive very well. I discussed with both Keaton and you last week the fact that he had zero rushing touchdowns in his entire college playing career. So you helped him put that stat to bed on the opening drive. Yeah, and that, that wasn't necessarily <laughs> by design, but he did make a good play, uh, made the right decision on this play. You guys have all seen Jaron Hall and, and Zach Wilson run that play over the years. Uh, and he made the right play and got the ball in the end zone. Also on that touchdown scoring drive to open the game, he goes over 10,000 career passing yards on the pass to Chase Roberts at the sideline. Only three BYU quarterbacks have ever topped the 10K plateau. And with a big touchdown season, he could also end up with around 100 touchdown passes. These are big numbers. Yeah, he's, he's already, you know, he's proven to be a good player. And um, we, we, we need to get a little bit better execution around him. And I think we'll see his play take off as the season progresses. I, um, it's, it's hard to play a quarter. I mean, he didn't have his best game, but it's hard to play when um, you know, you're having the t kind of um, ragged play around him that we that we demonstrated the other night. And so we'll, we need to get those things corrected. And I'm, I'm confident that he will uh, improve on your second drive. You converted a second and 10, but a block in the back puts you back to a second and 20, a third and long pass off the mark. And you're punting two drives later. It's another first down comes back on a flag and a loss of down. I'm sure penalties had to be really because it seemed like you were one big play away in a drive and it would come back. Yeah, and that, again, that's uncharacteristic of our team. We're, we have not been a team that shoots ourselves in the foot in the past. We're, we've always been uh, known for execution and, and you know, um, not a team that puts ourselves behind the chains in tough situations. We were usually pretty good at staying on schedule, and the other night we just could not sustain, uh, you know, any kind of manageable down and distance. We kept getting penalties and putting ourselves in tough third down situations, and, and uh, it just kept, kept shooting ourselves in the foot over and over again. Yeah, the third down distance wasn't where you want it to be. Uh, in the first half, your average third down was third and nine. Yeah. And that's, that's too high, right? It's way too high, way too high. And, you know, we're a team that likes to use fourth down, and we use it a lot. But you ha in order to use fourth down, you've got to get to that third and manageable to where you can put the defense in a bind whether you're going to run or pass. And, um, but we were in third and long so often that um, it just made it really hard to stay on the field. and. You know, our defense was playing so well that uh, there was a number of those third downs where we just tried to play it smart and and um, not put the defense in a tough situation. But we will we'll get that corrected this week. As you were in the call sheet in the first half, uh, how close did you feel that you were for like, we're, like we're just a play away and how, how much did it just feel off if it did in the first half to you? Yeah, the first, that's exactly, that's well said. The first half we were just, you know, we were doing a lot of good things, but we kept self-destructing and um, and it was it wasn't any uh, specific uh, problem or position group it just kept popping up in a, a variety of ways um, and then uh, the second half became a little bit 
more frustrating, you know, in that third quarter. And then the fourth quarter, it was, hey, this offense can't do anything against our defense. Let's just play smart and get out mm-hmm. of the win and fix our issues. <laughs> and so um, I, know, I know that wasn't a lot of fun to watch, mm-hmm. but, you know, uh, you know, we got to play better. But my responsibility in that point is let's get out of here with a win. Get the win. Be smart, take care of the football. And, and uh, that was one of the bright spots of the game is we didn't turn the ball over. Yep, true enough. We'll get to that second half and that note after this. Uh, you can get ready for Saturday's in-state clash against Southern Utah with BYU Sports Nation game days. Expanded pregame coverage starting two hours prior to kickoff at 1 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Mountain Time on BYU TV. Time for a break. When we come back, Coach Roderick's second half review from Saturday and the emergence of L.J. Martin as the Cougar as the coordinator's corner continues. Brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with more after this. Coordinator's Corner on BYU TV is brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Siegfried and Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. And by Smith's. Low prices, market fresh. Back on the coordinator's corner, looking back on BYU's 14-0 shutout win over Sam Houston on Saturday night. First shutout of an FBS team in 11 seasons for BYU this weekend. FCS foe Southern Utah visiting Lavelle Edwards Stadium uh, 1 p.m. for the Saturday matinee. Continuing our conversation now with BYU offensive coordinator and QB coach Aaron Roderick. You're up 7-0 at halftime. Uh, your message and your personal mindset maybe at the break. What was it on Saturday? Uh, well, it was just to, you know, regroup and, you know, kind of flush all the frustrations from the first half was the goal and and stop shooting ourselves in the foot. I mean, we were we were hurting ourselves more than the other team was hurting us. And um, they, they did a good job and they played really hard. They had a good game plan. But most of our issues were self-inflicted. And then, uh, you know, disappointed that the third quarter, we started out right away with another self-inflicted wound. And, um, and so we've, we've got some work to do this week to correct some of those things. Um, but I'm really confident that we will. Yeah, how, how bothered were you by having to call a timeout before your first snap of the second half? Yeah, that was, uh, that was frustrating. We had a personnel issue, um, and, uh, and that was <laughs> something that should never happen. And it hasn't, it's the first time that's happened in, in the, all the years I've been here, um, and it did. So that was embarrassing, and we have to fix it. You had a chance to get some work done in that we call the middle eight. It didn't work out that way Saturday night. You had a possession. It would have been a two-minute possession late in the first half, and then you got that first possession of half number two, and you clearly, when you, when you bookend halftime like you get to, you want to do something there. Yeah, and again, that's something we've been great at the last three years. Yeah. We, we've been one of the best teams in the country at the middle eight, and um, you know, we, the other night just could not get anything going. Um, it was, it, was, it was very frustrating. L.J. Martin uh, didn't have a carry in the first and second quarters. BYU had 32 yards rushing at halftime. He gets 16 of the team's 18 second-half running back carries, and he finished with a buck 12 on the ground. Uh, did you know coming out of halftime, we're going to give the we're going we're to ride him here and see what he did, see what he can do? Um, well, we knew we were going to play him. I mean, that I've I've been saying all along he's one of the best players yep. on our team, and so we had a plan to play him in the second quarter and then and then see how he does and then if he if he does well we're going to get him more touches in the in the second half and um so yeah he just made good on his opportunity and so once he got the hot hand we decided to keep keep giving him the ball and he did a great job he i think it was 5.7 yards per carry uh in a game that we were you know struggling to get yards and so thought he gave us a spark and uh he, he he did a nice job 
you have good transfer backs in Aiden and Dion Smith. You've got LJ. Um, hot hand committee for a while, or does a bell cow emerge, do you think, in this? Well, we'll see, but it's a, it's a long season. We're going to need all three of those guys. There's no way we're going to go, you know, the, the whole season with just one guy. It's just too physical of a game. It's very rare. You know, once in a while you have uh, a season like Tyler Algier did where he was able to stay healthy for all 13 games, but the running back position, you're usually going to need two or three guys. And even, even Tyler, you know, when Tyler was playing, we still, Peeney played a lot. He had a big role and, and, uh, so it'll be similar situation. We're going to need all three of those guys to get through this year. What, uh, beyond the obvious number you saw on the screen there, what uh, jumped out to you from the way LJ ran the ball on Saturday night? Well, just what he's shown to us in practice. He has great instincts. He runs behind his pads. With, you know, when he has a good forward lean, and he's a physical runner. He breaks tackles, and um, he, see, he sees the game. He's just got good vision. Some guys can feel it and see it. And, and, um, and then he, I also was impressed for a freshman you know, I talked about, you know, some of the guys that kind of went haywire the other night and made some silly mistakes that they haven't been making in practice. LJ went in the game and did things the way we coach it, the way we do it in practice every day. And that takes a lot of poise for a freshman to do that in his first game. Let's um, get back into the game flow for a second. When that first second half drive stalled after, it was another F as a penalty, right? You had a penalty on that drive. Right. Uh, the fake punts called. That's an attempt to jumpstart the team at that point to just, I mean, maybe back to the, what was happening on the headset at that point? I'm not aware of that because the, the, the. It's not your call. The special team stuff right. is happening on the defensive headset with, and so I didn't even know that was happening. I, okay. just, I looked up and just went, oh, whoa, what just happened? <laughs> so I didn't even know that was, I'm not involved in that decision. Yeah. But it was a, it was a reflection of, we got to give these guys something to go off, apparently. I mean. Um, I'm not sure. I, I think I think usually if you call a fake punt, you're seeing something in there. You know, I don't want to speak for the special teams coaches, but I I assume that they were seeing something in their punt return unit that uh, they felt like they could get it, and then it just didn't work out. But okay. um, yeah, I didn't know that was happening. Wow. Uh, the defense though did have the back of the offense on the short field because Jacob Robinson comes and comes up with the pick and the and the shutouts preserved on a night when things aren't clicking maybe the way you want to. How nice is it was to rely on that defensive unit kind of all night long. It was nice, and, and um, you know, we've had some games, we've had some shootout games the last few years um, where we've had to score a lot to win, and it was nice to have a game where we weren't playing well and the defense had our back, and we, we appreciate that, and, and um, we've been having great competition with those guys in practice and see how well they've been playing, and, um, you know, I'm excited to, to do our part in the next game. And, and could that also motivate uh, your unit that way, knowing that, you know, this could be a year where this defense, you know, is a lights-out group. Uh, if we're just a little bit better, we can really be in a good spot. Oh, yeah, and, and you know, it's, the game can humble you quickly. You know, we've had, we've had uh, uh, you know, you have, once in a while you have one of these games, and it's good. It brings you back down to earth, and, and uh, we've had a great camp, and I think our players went into that game with a lot of confidence the other day. And um, we, got, we got punched in the mouth a little mm. bit, and it's okay. It's, that's part of the game. And now I'm, I'm interested to see how we handle adversity and how we bounce back. Not that it was misplaced confidence, just that it'll take a little uh, bit more to uncover what you want to get, I think. Yeah, and, and um, that's part of the game. You know, that you get, sometimes you get knocked down. And, and so, but I have a lot of faith in our players. I know we have a good, good team and we have a good system. And it's been proven over time that, that uh, this system works as long as we execute better. And, and I'm, I think our players are made of the right stuff. They'll show up and play well this week. Back into the game, it was the third drive of the second half that things began to shift for BYU. You called four consecutive L.J. Martin rushes and six L.J. runs overall. There were 11 plays on the drive. Nine were runs. 
And the last one was the, uh, we'll call it the tush push to get uh, Keaton into the end zone for a second time on the night. Yeah, you know, again, that was sort of at the stage of the game where we weren't playing really well. The defense was playing great. And so it was time to eat some clock, run the ball, um, give our defense some rest and go get a touchdown. And, you know, that kind of, even though there was still quite a bit of game left there, it felt 14 points felt like a lot more than it normally does in a real game. Uh, it, just because our defense was playing so well. So that was a good drive, and, and that was definitely the highlight of the second half. Yeah, I'm sure you would have loved to score more than 14, but 14 were enough on this night, and there were a lot of positives to lean into. Zero giveaways again. You talked about it before the break. Uh, Kalani's teams are now 27-4 and four with zero turnovers lost. Always a huge factor. And, and more than half of the games you've coordinated, you've had zero giveaways. Yeah, that's something that we really take pride in with the way we game plan, the way we practice is to take care of the football. And so in a game where we did not play great, that was a highlight was to take care of the ball. And then when we got the ball in the red zone, we scored, <coughs> excuse me, we scored touchdowns. And those were probably the two main positives that we can take away. Other than that, you know, there's no moral victories. So we won the game, proud of, proud of the win, how, proud of our defense. Um, but our offense is going to play with a chip on our shoulder this week. And we've, we've got a lot of work to do and we know it. And, um, we'll, we'll take care of it. You kept Keaton clean as well, zero sacks allowed, and that's another good factor. Yeah, I thought we protected well. I think he got hit one time the whole night, and it was, uh, had nothing to do with the offensive line. It was a, a, a different error there. Um, but uh, we, we protected the quarterback well. Okay, uh, plus four yards, an average starting field position margin as well. Special teams helped that number a great uh, deal. Ryan Rico was the co-Big 12 Special Teams Player of the Week as a result. Uh, before the break, uh, circling back to, to Cody and Keanu, uh, generally speaking, how should we judge their availability moving forward? I hope to get them back soon, but I, I'm not, I, I don't know. And uh, so I'm not sure right now. We'll see game to game, week to week on those guys. Okay, time for a break. As we step away, we remind you that your Cougar Sports day-to-day play-by-play is on BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan weekdays at noon Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Coming up in our final segment of this week's show, Coach Roderick's Offensive Player of the Game and a look ahead to Saturday's game with Southern Utah. When the Coordinator's Corner continues, we're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. You're in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. BYU looking to go 2-0 with Southern Utah in town on Saturday. It'll be BYU's fourth consecutive 2-0 start to a season. With BYU offensive coordinator and QB coach Aaron Roderick. Coach, would it surprise you to know that BYU's never in its football history opened up 2-0 in four consecutive years? That does surprise yeah. me. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, a little weird. Yeah, it happened in the mid-60s and never before never, since. So. Never in the Lavelle's era? No, it did not. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, it speaks to how you would schedule. You know, you'd have tough teams early, and yeah. so even just getting to 2-0 four straight years is tough to do. Uh, let's get to your offensive player of the week from the Sam Houston game. Yeah, it was LJ. He, he uh, gave us a spark when we needed it. Um, again, I'm not surprised at how he played. He's, he's been doing that in practice. Um, I was really proud of him. I thought he... He went in the game, like I mentioned earlier, and did what he does in practice. And, and uh, that's, you know, it takes poise to be able to execute on game day the same way you're coached to do it. And, and I'm really proud of him. He's going to be a good player for a long time. And he was a high school running back in El Paso at this time last year, wasn't he? He was, yeah. First college game. All right, you snapped 67 plays on opening week. I know you'd like more first downs and points to go with those plays, but if you were able to average that many plays, with the new clock rules while you were scoring and winning, uh, you'd pretty be, probably be pretty satisfied, I think. 
Yeah, we mixed in about a dozen tempo plays the other night to try to keep our our play count, you know, to make up for the rule changes to try to keep our uh, play count up high enough to to uh, you know stay where we've been in the past. Um, and you know, obviously the game didn't go as we expected, but I think that the uh, clock rules are they're having an impact on the game for sure. It's not that's not why we only scored 14 points, but we are taking measures to sort of make up for that. All right, a uh, quick preview of Southern Utah. They, they lost at Arizona State in their season opener on a Thursday night last week. Yeah, they looked really good. They, they played very well on defense. Uh, they fly around, very well coached. Um, they, gave, they gave Arizona State a lot of problems. Um, they're a physical team. They, they play really tough, and they're, they're, uh, they, have, they have some good players. They have some good returning players, and they've added a couple of transfers, and um, it's a... It's a good defense who knows a lot about our offense because their offensive coordinator the last couple of years coached here with us for a few years. And so uh, they've been running the exact same system down there. So their defense has been practicing against our offense every mm. practice. So there's some challenges there with uh, just game day operation that we're going to have to handle. I'm sure a lot of folks think when FBS takes on FCS, you take care of the game, you get the score where you want it, you pull guys out, you, you, you play a lot of But you mentioned a minute ago that there's going to be a chip on the shoulder mentality too coming off what you just experienced. So uh, what do you uh, expect to see this Saturday that way? Well, I think you have to respect the game enough to know that every week is, you know, there was a bunch of upsets last week and we're not happy about how we played, but I'm glad we're not at one of those places where, you know, teams got upset by somebody that was supposedly lesser than, you know, mm -hmm. and that's, that's not how this works. And SUU's a good team. They are going to be up here excited with nothing to lose. I mean, they, this is, uh, it's not a conference game for them. And they, I, I know those players, I, I coached at Southern Utah years ago, and I know those players relish the opportunity to play in a big game like this, and they're going to give it their very best. And um, we're going to have to be at our best. And if it's an early game, too, so you got to get ready to roll. You'll be on yeah, the field be, in the morning hours. and Exactly. It'll be a different thing. You wake up, eat breakfast, and it's basically time to go. So um, we're going to have to be ready to play. Okay, I alluded to this with, uh, with Coach Hill in our first segment of the show. Um, when you were trying to get ready to, to go and play and win a game last week, uh, a lot going into game one, uh, the team, the program, uh, dealt with heavy news and had heavy hearts. You had uh, Kelly Papinga's nephew, Brady's son pass away, and Brady, former Cougar, Kelly with us. In a There's a lot of people that are connected to the Papinga family that way, and you're dealing with that. And then on the day of the game, Mata Avataase uh, learns of the death of his father. That was part of the equation last week in a way that really challenged and tested your guys. It had to. Yeah, you know, I, <laughs> you don't want to make any excuses or anything. Um, definitely, you know, we, we have to be accountable for what, how we played. But Saturday was a really heavy day. And uh, that, was, uh, that was a tough, tough day. I'm very emotional for a lot of our players supporting their teammate who was going through some really tough stuff and I, it impacted our our preparation, our walkthroughs, our meetings, everything we do normally on game day. And um, So it, it wasn't it, a normal game day? No, far from it. In fact, I've never experienced a game day like that in my whole career. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to make excuses, but I, I think it had an impact on several of our guys that didn't play well in the game. And and it's understandable. And so, we, we you know, we. We love those guys, and we're going to help them get through this week, and especially Tava, and um, and we'll we'll do better this week. We didn't find out about the death of Tava's uh, father until uh, Tava's father until after the game when when Kalani mentioned it, and then Hans, my radio partner, was was reminiscing about how he was calling Tava's name early in the game. Like he's trying to make plays. He was trying to go out there and, and give it all he had. 
Yeah, and, and we gave him the option not to play. He, he, he wanted to play. Um, but the day leading up to it was just uh, pretty tough for everyone. And for, for you know, he's, he's a really well-liked member of this team. And uh, I think our guys were trying to support him and be with him. And um, so, yeah, it, it had an impact. But, you know, right. we, have to be, we have to be more resilient at dealing with adversity as a team. And so we have a little adversity this week because we get to, you know, we get to hear people talk about how we're, maybe we're not that good. And, and that's okay. We, we'll see. We'll, we'll have to battle through that. And meantime, our, our love and condolences again go out to the Popinga and to Ase families. Coach Roderick, thanks for the time. We'll see you next week. Good to be here. All right, good luck next, this weekend. That'll do it for week two of the Coordinator's Corner. For Coaches Hill and Roderick and our entire crew, my name is Greg Rubel. We'll see you next week. And go Cougs. This has been the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys.